0: Church family, late Merry Christmas, what a wonderful and beautiful text we have today. In the final service of the year, we have the text of the final judgment. What are are the odds that we may be um, preaching on this text in the last sermon? And I'm wondering if this text can encourage us shape us, and confront us. I think that's the goal of today's sermon. It's just how we as a believer can be encouraged by this text. But also, if you're visiting and you are not a believer, you may be confronted by it. Final judgment. And the title of the sermon is this, the king will judge the nation. Basically, this is what we have in Matthew 25 in the last 15 verses of each chapter. I don't know if you recently have read the news, but on December 13, Judge Bruce Jones sentenced a Cuban guy named Rogel Lázaro Aguilera Mederos to 110 years in prison. What happened with him was that in 2019, four people died And several more were injured when this young guy, 23 years old, Lázaro Aguilera Medeiros, collided with a timber truck running into several cars on Interstate 70 west of Denver. Prosecutors in the case argued that Aguilera Medeiros had had several opportunities to avoid the tragedy. The 10... The 110 years prison sentence is a minimum allowed by Colorado Minimum Sentences Law related to the specific charges for which he was convicted. Many people in, in media, as in news, he has collected, not he, but there's a movement that has collected more than 5 million signatures because they found it that it was unfair sentence. Actually, the, the judge, Judge Bruce Jones, at District John's in the state of Colorado, he said that at the time of sentencing, what I will say is that if I had discretion to this, would, this would, wouldn't be my sentence. The judge also understood that it was on first sentence. And as I mentioned, this trial generated so many consternation to the point that around 5 million people, they think that this was And the first sentence, I don't know if you noticed, but this sentence has many things in common with us. With the Aguilera Medeiros sentences, we can learn some things. One is in front of God, in front of God, we we are all Aguilera Medeiros. In front of us, we have all violated the law, and the sentence of eternal punishment is just. Just like the judge, God will condemn everyone according to the law. The only difference between that trial and the final judgment is that in the final judgment, God declares as righteousness, as righteous, those who being guilty Ran to the King for forgiveness and salvation, and surrendered to His Lordship. The others will receive their just condemnation. So the text that we have today, as I mentioned, is a text that is just a continuation of the answer of the question that the disciple asked Jesus. They asked Jesus, "When are you coming?" And I don't know if you have been here to the, all through the series, but you can go ahead and watch it online. But Jesus has said five times, five times, chapter 24, verse 36, 42, verse 44, verse 50, and chapter 25, verse 13. He has said five times, no one knows the day of the, or, or the hour. And it will be like a thief in the night. It will take those who don't expect it by surprise. And Jesus said that his second coming would be certain, but it will happen when we least expect it. In the last two weeks, we have learned through the two parables that Jesus is is asking to his people, be ready, be prepared, because you don't know when my second coming is. And the verses that we have today tells us that the judgment, the second coming of Jesus will bring judgment to the nations. Let us not lose sight of some of the things that also Matthew has been teaching throughout the book. First, Jesus is the promised king of the lineage of David. The promised Messiah of whom the prophet Daniel prophesied. Who will be given dominion over all nations. And who will rule for all eternity. Also Matthew has taught us that this king is a compassionate king. Who was mercy? Who has mercy on those who have been marginalized by false religious leaders, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes? You remember lepers, whom they, the religious leader of his generation, considered the bottom of the society, the last. And also, we have seen through the book of Matthew Jesus making the Distinction between a true disciple and a false disciple, true teacher, false teacher, true Christian, and false Christian. And since his first sermon on the Mount, if you remember, to the last sermon on the Mount of Olives, Jesus continued to do the same thing. We saw it in Matthew 7 22 23, we saw also in the parable of the wheat and the tares. We saw it in the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents. And he wraps up today's text by making a clear distinction between sheep and goats. So that's what we have for today. And I have, it's clear that when we read this text in the last word of Sermon of the Mount of Olives, Jesus makes this clear distinction in my second coming. I will judge the nation, and I will separate goats and sheep. As a Christian, if you are a Christian, you must be grateful that you will be in the side, in the right side. So the king will judge the nation. What he will do, two things. I have two things clear in the text that he will do, and three questions that I want to answer. The king will fulfill his promise to reward his own, and also the king will condemn those who rejected him. The king will fulfill his promise to reward his own, and the king will condemn those who rejected him. Let's dive in into the text in verse 31 to 40, and let's see the first that the judge, the king, will do when he comes to ju- to judge the nation, he will fulfill his promise to reward his own. Verse thirty-one: When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when we did de- see you hungry and fed you and thirsty and give you drink, and, his, and, 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 and when did de- we see you stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did de- we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it, to one of my least of these brothers, you did it to me. Jesus is closing this sermon before his death and resurrection. Remember, he's 48 hours to to, the, to his death, 48 hours to be under a trial, and now he closes his sermon, explaining the judgment will come at the time of his second coming. And let us remember, this is not happening yet. Okay, this is the future. So I want to invite you to take this trip back to the future. So sit back back up, and let's travel in time and try to picture yourself in these scenes that is taking place in the future. Let us remember what pa- Pastor Kurt mentioned last week. This text is a providence of love and grace and care for us who are awaiting for the second coming. Why? Because these words serve two purposes to encourage true disciples and to confront those who are not true disciples. In other words, the fact that we can study this text is a manifestation of God's grace. As the entire Gospel of Matthew, he has been showing us how Jesus is. And this text also reveals some important aspects of Jesus as the Messiah. And I want to just highlight what he, this portion says about Jesus. And I want to answer three questions. Two of them are going to be addressing this first point, and the last one, and the last point. But who is the one who, that will reward? Who is the one? Second question Who are those? Re- recipients of that award. And finally, in the final point, I will answer the final question, what is the award? So let's unpack this answer to this question. Who is the one? The text tells us that is Jesus is the son of man. He's the son of man. Read it in verse 31 again. When the son of man comes in his glory... Once again, let's remember that the Son of Man is a messianic title that had been given by the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Do you remember that? We read it a couple weeks ago, months ago. He says, Daniel says, And I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the ancients of days. And was present before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting. Does it sound familiar what you read in Matthew when he says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And they will gather all the nations. So the first thing that we most realize in this text is that Jesus is the son of man. The messianic title that was given. And the nation of Israel was waiting for years and decades and 100 years. When is the son of man? And this is the title that Jesus uses the most to call himself. 81 times. Second, the text says, the text depicts the deity of Jesus. Read verse 32. Before him will be gathered... All the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Notice that the text shows that it is God who knows perfectly who are his sheep and who are not his sheep. This is God omni omni omnis omni omniscience. Thank you for your help. But you know that in the Old Testament, the Old Testament tells us that it's God who will come with power to rule and separate the sheep and bring a reward. Do you know that? Isaiah 40, verse 10 and 11. Read it. Listen. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. And his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. And his recompenses before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm. He will carry them in his bosom. And he gentle lead those that are with young. Only God. And the people of Israel knew that God have the prerogative to do that and Jesus is saying that his second coming he will do that which tells us that this is another picture of Jesus as God you can see the same elements of Isaiah present in Matthew you can see that is a prerogative of God himself to separate the sheep so don't just Jesus is the son of man he's God himself what else the text says that Jesus is the king and the judge. Read it. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his, on his right, come you who are blessed by my father in, in the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink and continues, you know. So you see clear that Jesus is presented as the son of man, the messianic title, as God himself and the king and judge that will come to judge the nation. Second question, what he says about the people that is going to receive the reward. Who are these people? Well, if you read carefully, you will notice that first, his people are his sheep from all nations. From all nations. And let me tell you, Jesus is breaking down the paradigm because they thought, Jewish people thought, and they still think that only salvation will come to Jews. And when Jesus says that before Him we will gather all the nations, Jesus implicitly saying His people, His sheep are from all nations. So I really enjoy every time we gather and we have a bilingual service. Because it's a little glimpse of what is happening, what's going to happen. We will have people different than us. We will recognize them, that they are different. They speak differently. They think different. But we will be united, worshiping God. His people are his sheep from all nations. Remember the promise given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22? And in your offspring... Shall all the nations of the earth be what? Blessed. Blessed. And all these nations have always been in God's divine plan. Can you read it? Can you read it? From the beginning, the very beginning, all the nations were in his divine plan. Therefore, he can't separate the sheep and the goats from among the nations. And not everyone, if you read carefully, not everyone will be rewarded, only the sheep. The question, the most important question to answer today is, are you a sheep? Who are the sheep? Because that's another question that comes after the first question, this question. Who are the sheep? Well, remember, this is an eschatological, okay, prophecy that was going to take place in the future. And in that time, in the second coming, we'll know that we will have the whole scripture. We have the whole counsel of God. So we can go through another text to answer that question, who are the sheep? Well, I'm just going to quote two texts. And you may just study deeper. But in John 10, 14 and 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So, the sheep are those who know their shepherd, and the shepherd knows them. Okay? You can say that you know him, but be sure that he knows you. Second, the sheep are those who have responded to the irresistible calling of God, who have heard the voice of the shepherd, and have followed him. John again, chapter 10 again, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and what? And I know them, again, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So a sheep is one... Who know the shepherd, the shepherd knows them, and is the one who has responded to the irresistible calling of the shepherd, and who have heard the voice, and not just heard the voice, follow the shepherd. Observe the past tense. Who else? Who else is going to be rewarded? According to the text... He says that also those who have been blessed by the Father. And I wish I could have more time. But let me go through a text that will help us to understand what it means to be blessed by the Father. Let me clarify what is not being blessed by the Father. It's not just having health, money, future, retirement plan, insurance. It's not just that. That's very secondary, probably lower. This is not what Jesus had in mind. He says that in verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are, you are that already, who are blessed by my father. Who are those who have been blessed by the father? You notice the past tense, okay? We are in the future. So remember, this is a future event, so you don't, don't lose that in mind. Who are blessed? Who, ha- who are those who have been blessed by the father? You know, I told you, we have the whole council of God, so you can come with me very quick and briefly to Ephesians chapter 1. That it helps us to understand what Jesus said when he said, what he meant when he said, you are those who are blessed by the Father. Read carefully. I will not have to do exegesis of this. I would love to do it, but I don't have time to. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Bless be The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You see this word repeated in Matthew as well. Who has chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That he should be holy and blameless. Blameless before him. In love he predestinated us from, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. To the praises of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is Jesus again. In him, in Jesus again, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Again, this is eschatological as well. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be to praise of his glory. Verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth. My sheep hear my voice. When you heard the the word of truth. The gospel of salvation and believed in him. Who are sealed with the promises, with the promise of Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, the praise of his glory. How many times he says, Blessed us in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, we have been blessed, we have been chosen, we have been predestinated, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, we have been saved. Do you see the centrality of Christ in this text? Do you understand what it means to be blessed by the Father now? This is what it means. What Ephesians chapter 1 says. Who are these people? Who are those who are going to receive the reward? His sheep. Those who have been blessed by the Father. But also those who has adopted and made heirs to the kingdom. Read it. Verse 34: The king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God has sovereignly thought of us since eternity and changed our status from enemies to hers by pure grace. That's overwhelming. You were his enemy, and now You are heirs of his kingdom. He adopted us to spend eternity with him. How this adoption process looks like. I know that some people, they are in an adoption process. But how this process, adoption process looks like. Romans says in in Romans 5.10 that we were enemies and we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall be saved by his life. In Ephesians 1:5, we read also that we were adopted through Christ while we were his enemy. Romans says again, that now, as a children, we also are heirs with Christ. Romans 8:16, the Spirit Himself. Bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then hers, hers of God, and follow hers with Christ. I don't know if you understand it, but you were his enemy, and now, according to Romans, you are fel, fellow hers with Christ. It encouraged me a lot. Do you understand what it means to be blessed by the Father now? Do you understand what it means to be heirs of the kingdom? You and I have been blessed by the Father. That's the good news of the gospel. From God's enemy to heirs for eternity. But there is more. I hope you enjoy what I'm enjoying here. Who are these people? Who are his people that he's coming to reward? His sheep? Those who have been blessed by the Father in Christ? Those who have been adopted and made heirs to the kingdom? Those who serve others as Christ did. Those who serve others as Christ did. Read verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I don't know if you, when you read that, you notice that this is the lifestyle of these people. How do you know? Because they were surprised when we did this. When we did this, when we it was their style, lifestyle, and we see in Matthew's, Jesus is showing that the King is also a compassionate King. But moreover, I read one of the uh, commenters that he says that the Bible talks about receiving those. These people is referring to those who preach the gospel. And were served by his people. In Matthew 12.50 says that whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister. And now he said, when you serve my brothers and my sisters, who are they? Those who do the will of my father. You did it to my brother and my sister. But it was the lifestyle of people who follow the shepherd. Loving others as yourself. They knew God, and because, because they knew God, they had done to them, and they were giving to others what they had received. They themselves didn't recognize it, I told you. But it was their lifestyle because their life were, was changed. They received a new heart. They, were, they received a new command, love one another, and they put that into action. And finally, who were these people? Who are the people that is going to be a First, his sheep, we saw it. Those who have been blessed by the Father in Christ. Those whom he has adopted and made hers to the kingdom. Those who serve others as Christ did it. And finally, those who are called righteous by Christ. Read verse 37. How Jesus called them. Read it in your Bible, how Jesus called them. Then the righteous, the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when we did, when did we see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these my brothers. You did it to me. But how Jesus referred to them. As righteous. And probably you don't understand what it means. We will be called righteous. Not because we are righteous. But because we have been justified by Christ. We have been declared righteous. But we were guilty. We were guilty. And Romans tells us in five. One, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Same chapter, Romans 5, verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made sinners. Righteous. We are found righteous not by our works, nor by our time in church, nor by our religiousity, but by Christ who took our sin on the cross and granted his perfect justice to us, being declared righteous is the being justified by Christ. And that justification is a legal declaration. In justification, we are declared righteous through faith alone, based on the merit of whom? Christ alone. The righteousness that is imputed to our account is annihilating righteousness, alien righteousness. God had and now God can view us righteous in Christ because of imputation. What it means, Moses, that when you put your faith in Christ, we were counted as righteous, and that's the perfect righteousness earned by Jesus to declare us righteous. Now He sees us righteous, righteous every day, every day, brothers and sisters. I don't okay, how do you feel? Monday, tomorrow, the next year, but every day if you are in Christ, that's the way that God sees you righteous. Not because of you, (laughs) because the merit of Jesus Christ. In the final judgment, He will call you righteous. Who are these people? His people are His sheep, those who have been blessed by the Father in Christ, those who have been adopted. And may heirs to the kingdom and those who serve others as Christ did it. Those who are called righteous by Christ. That's my question in the beginning. It's the same question now. The most important question we have to answer at the end of the year in the last sermon service as well. Are you a sheep? If you are a sheep, then live according to it. Live a life of gratitude, a life of obedience, a life of worship. Remind yourself daily that you have been blessed in Christ. no matter how do you feel, no matter what happened in your life, no matter if you struggle struggling with, if you doubt on it, come to the scripture and remember that you are declared righteous because of Christ. Don't forget that. and don't forget to serve others as Christ did it. The king will judge the nation, the king will fulfill. His promises to reward his own. And second, the king will condemn those who reject him. Verse 41 to 46. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed. Wow. Wow. Into eternal fire prepared for the, for the devil and his angel. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was stranger and you didn't welcome me. Naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they also will answer, saying the same answer. Lord. They thought that Jesus was his Lord. Lord. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't minister to you? Then he will we'll answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you didn't do it to the one of the least of these, you didn't it to me. And this will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This way, again, the king will judge the nation. Based on how people from every nation have responded to the gospel that was already preached. Matthew 24, 14 says that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony for all nations. And these people that will be condemned think they know Jesus. Jesus. But they really, actually, they don't know him. They refer to him as Lord, but their lives and actions demonstrate that they don't know him. Notice the answer. Say answer, Lord. When we did this, when we, when we, when we didn't did this, when did it do this? Who are these people? Well, if you have been here through the series of math, you will know. You will remember that these people are, these people who receive neither the messenger nor the message of salvation. These are religious people who never showed compassion for the needed. These are religious people who knew God but live a lifestyle as if they didn't know him. These are people who call Jesus Lord, Lord, but do not live under his lordship. People who have no fruits of repentance, no fruits of the spirit, no fruits of salvation. And he has been one of the most Constant themes in the ministry of Jesus. Making distinction between true followers and false followers. Between those who Jesus know and those who Jesus don't know. Do you remember Matthew 7 in the beginning, Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 7, seven twenty-two? On the that day. What day? <laughs> what day do you think that Matthew is quoting this day? On that day. This is Matthew 7 now. On that day. Will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works, many works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I don't know if you think in the same way, but there's no worst condition in the entire universe for a person to think that they have a relationship with God. But they are truly lost. This week, I met with one of our members. 85 years old. Brother in Christ. Has been in this congregation for years. And I was inter- interested in getting to know more about this brother. And learn more about his walk on faith. And he told me one of the most choking testimony I have ever heard about the power of the gospel. He told me that he grew up in a Baptist church. He was baptized when he was nine. He served in the church. His kids, he brought his kids to the church. He was in Baptist church since, since day one. His whole entire life. He has attended Baptist churches, sung the best-known hymns for generations. But he told me that it was not until four years and a half ago that he born again. What happened with him? He told me that a friend confronted him with the gospel and God's word. And God in his grace Opened his eyes, his eyes, and he said, oh, my Lord, I am lost. I am lost. He tells me that everything has been different ever since then. It's like he's seen the gospel in full color. Impressive, isn't it? But what I learned about that testimony... I learned that you can spend your whole life being a Baptist or thinking you are a Christian and still be lost. He also taught me that I should continue to preach the gospel every single Sunday. Every single conversation, every time I have the opportunity to share the gospel, be bold and share the gospel as this brother did it with him. And also, overwhelmingly, the great grace, the great grace of God that gave him 80 plus years to know Jesus. That grace that is more than our sins. That finds us and saves us. His irresistible grace that saves us and makes us His children forevermore. Church family, I don't know if you can see what is at stake. What is at stake is our eternity, brothers and sisters. The terrifying words for those who have not embraced the message of salvation of Jesus Christ and Jesus as Lord of their lives. These people were not sheep. They never have been because they never knew Jesus. Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Look at the final words. And these will go away into eternal punishment. You see the distinction? What was going to happen in the final judgment? Eternal punishment or eternal life. In the final judgment, there is only two groups. In that day, there is only going to be two groups. And the judgment will be... Eternal punishment or reward for the righteous ones. Maybe you think that it's unfair. How can I spend eternity because I just sinned once? That's enough. You sin against a holy, holy, holy God. And you deserve eternal punishment. But the good news is that he's, he has provided eternal life for you. And he commands you to repent. Come to Christ. If you are here today and you have not responded to his calling, today is the day of salvation. Repent and end this year becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Not because of the merits, not because you prayed a prayer, but because God transformed your heart and allowed you to see why my brothers that I have met this week saw. You are lost and you can be lost, even though you claim to be Christian. But there is a good news there is still salvation for you. And that's why this text is a provision of grace. So just come to Jesus. Come to one of us. Talk to one of us. You know this text, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Believing is not just the fact that you know Jesus. It's the fact that you know who he is. Therefore, you surrender to his lordship and live according to him, his will. Whoever believes in him... Verse 18 says, because we only know 316, but we forget what happened next. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever doesn't believe in him is condemned already because has not believed in the name of the only son. Today is a day of salvation. This is the last sermon of the year. Therefore, this text is a grace from God for everyone who hears this message. Because if you are not surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, you are still on time. Do you remember the story of Aguilera? The difference with Aguilera and us is somebody took our spot. And he assumed the responsibility. So now those who follow him will be declared righteous. Let's pray, church.